Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome on board the strange boat. Joining me at the helm is Steve Collett, a proud Wolfranian from one of Britain's newest cities. I'll admit to looking that up. And someone with huge alien experience. Steve's also not afraid to have an opinion or two. And I dare say we'll discuss a few of those on this cruise. Hi, Steve. Hello, Keith. How are you? I'm good. Did you know you were a Wolfranian? I did know I was a Wolfranian, yes. Uh, we have Lady Wolfrana that I see regularly going to the Molyneux. Yes, um... Yeah, proud, proud Wolfranian, yes. yes. And, and a new city, what, 20, 2010 was it? That's right, yeah, 2010, you yeah. became a city along with Brighton. Yes, how about that? <laughs> One or two other places as well, but they were the first two that came up with Wikipedia. I said, enough, don't want to, don't want to spoil him. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to make him sound too important. Yeah. Humbled to be here, uh, Keith, uh, yet slightly puzzled as to why anyone would want to hear my uh, ramblings and tales of fishing when it sounds like a, a really bad episode of Peaky Blinders, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, no, I, I, don't do yourself down, mate, because you've got, uh, you've, you've got plenty of history you, you, and, and you've got, sort of quite an important role to play within angling because of, of I suppose in a way like me but I was many years before a, a degree of diversity so you approach fishing from more than one side don't you and, and that I think it's always interesting to listen to people's viewpoints when they've got um and an, another eye to look through I've, I've got an expression that I often give to anglers two expressions that both mean the same thing I made them both up um one is monocular yes which means looking through one eye. And I've forgotten the other one. What's the other one? Um, oh, cycloptic. Oh, cycloptic. As in being like the cyclops with one eye. So, um, And we do tend to be one eye. You know, if you talk to carp anglers, then anything else is second rate. You talk to barbell anglers and, and only their bit of the river matters. And it, and, and it's something that's, that's through all anglers. And, of course, because of our diversity in different ways, we I, I think we tend to look at things slightly differently so somebody did ask me the other day actually about uh you know about fishing and and what type of fishing do you do and i don't do any type of fishing i do fishing <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah, exactly. i've never really looked at it like that 
No. When, when yeah, did it all start? What, what got you into fishing, first of all? Well, I should say um, my halls of residence, as they'd say, as a young man, uh, was in a, ooh, let's say, an insalubrious area of Wolverhampton. And um, I suppose reed-lined lakes and fellow anglers bidding each good day just didn't happen in this part of Wolverhampton. And uh, I was brought up in near Whit Marines, and it's got nothing really. And, you know, it's, uh, how can I say, it's, it's a population of people that historically don't go fishing. You know, people from what are normally a minority group are actually the majority in my area, you know, so fishing wasn't the thing to do. And uh, so, but don't laugh at this. The thing to do was probably breakdancing or BMXing, you know, that that, that, that was that was the thing. I knew you'd laugh, but that, that was the thing, you see. It was from, we, we had like, uh, we had crews of break dancers and because you know uh, it, it was just the way to be brought up in Whitmarine so it was break dancing but I always remember uh, this this break dance we used to carry a bit of lino down to a park and you'd have different break dance battles against different crews from all over the place but this park was called West Park and I can always remember that a body of water there that attracted me so you know in in that area keith as i say you didn't really see bob nudd or yourself on the cover of smash it's or thrasher skateboard magazine or it just didn't happen you know and uh, although i loved these days of say bmx in and falling off skateboards and getting up to whatever i still had this burning desire to go at a weekend as i used to do with my uncle and uh old man who used to fish for a working men's club then you know like a proper smoking working men's club it was called the gold thorn social club it was and it was one of those clubs where there's bingo on a friday and saturday night and everybody went fishing the next day on a coach and yeah it got me into it you know so um you know those weekends i'd say were they were so far removed from let's say my weekday life of being a ruffian and a vagabond it was like um like kind of a magnet to me you know uh, this fishing got me out of there it sparked something in me that uh, couldn't be obtained by say dropping off a half pipe or graffitiing on a bus you know the bus was different i enjoyed it more getting on that coach and you know i just really liked to get away because that, that scene you know that street scene that i was in in kind of a i won't say a rough area it was just an area uh, you wouldn't have fit in it. You wouldn't have fitted in if I turned up to West Park or Heath Town in a green waistcoat and a floppy hat with flies on it. I'd be killed. <laughs> Simple as that. So this changeover from the bank life to street life was like chalk and cheese, and that attracted me. Uh, I, t- I tell you what's just uh, made my eyebrows go up. Um, you, you mentioned. I mean, I've always called it Whitmoreens because I don't know, but Whitmoreens, as you called it, you made it in, into into the one word. It's a very very famous fishing club. A very famous old match fishing club. Yes. Um, and maybe, I suppose, because we're sort of a generation and a half at least apart, there was probably a, a sea change in the demographic that that made the, the the area become different to how it had been. Yeah, because that, that famous club that you were talking about, it had my uncles in, twins, uh, the Williamses. They fished for Whitmarines. Uh, there's good guys called Alan Williams. I knew these people uh, from the Goldthorn Social Club. And, the, you know, it was that social club thing. You you went to one of those. You, you just did. It was That was my life. I'd be dropped off at my nan's. We'd go to a social club on a Friday watch world sport with dickie davis and the wrestling on a saturday and that's it i'd be looking really looking forward to going on that coach to a place that i, I never knew because you you were young you never knew it existed and when you were there i wasn't allowed to fish of course but what i was allowed to do was throw maggots in them watch 600 minnows eat that one maggot and try and catch them 
And that, that yeah. really sparked me, you know, because uh, I think then fishing, uh, it really became my life. And, you know, I think during my academic years, I spent one day at school and four days on the canal just skiving. Mm. It even got to we, the point that a headmaster used to say, just sign the register and bleep off. Different canals, different canals, same outlook. I think me and you yeah. had. Um, I, I was more the Regents Canal in in, in uh, North London. But you, you mentioned the coach rides, and I suppose that's why so many people of those generations, where not everybody had a car, where everybody went socially, that's where match fishing had such a growth area. And as soon as people got their own cars, that all changed and, and, and became you know, carp fishing, barbel fishing, individual fishing, commercial fishing even, where you don't turn up with a club, you turn up on your own, fish with the same mates every week. It, yeah. But the fishery is now the social club rather than the social club being a social club and you go to various fisheries. But you obviously from there got into match fishing, did you? Uh, no, then um, I just went fishing and then uh during during those days of going with the club I had a few few years of going fishing then watching and then having the odd cast here and there and then i used to borrow either my granddad's or my dad's set of stuff from the garage and then uh, something happened at a period where i didn't go fishing i don't think i've ever really spoke about this but um i was fishing it was i can remember it really can remember it. i was fishing the curly whirly canal the whirly essington at the back of Whit Marines, and for want of a better word, Keith, I got filled in, proper beat up, proper beat up, and for that, in in those days, it was called taxing, where they took your trainers, they took your jacket, or whatever it was, and you know the worst thing about this, because I had two separate lives, I never told anybody I went fishing. It was kind of a, a I don't know, whether it was a dirty word or you were ashamed of it, because everybody else was doing something a lot more trendier. It was um, uncool. Yeah, it was uncool. But some of these lads I messed about with, with the week, in the week and got up to vagabondy things. You know, I can always remember being filled in, stopping people treading on my head and seeing my mates do this. Mm-hmm. And they were like, they, you know, I could tell the look was saying, Steve, what are you doing here, fishing? And the worst thing about that, Keith, was that all of these lads, the worst thing was that they took me tackle but they just smashed it away and smashed it up and threw it away in the canal. Mm. All they were after was my trainers and my jacket. And then uh, I could see a seedy side to living in that area. You know, you went one way or the other. And unfortunately, I'm afraid to say it, I went the other. I changed sides. I went from the victim to the victor. You know, I became, mm. a, I became a right bugger. Got into the football crowd and that was it. A few years off. Fishy took a back seat and fighting took the front one, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, it, it might sound a world away to a lot of lucky listeners that have been brought up in very nice places and you know to see that you go this one way or the other but it's so easy to get into that's why i can i can relate to some of the kids i work with now in different councils getting them into fishing you know because i've seen it i've done it i've been the gamekeeper and the poacher and i've seen i've seen that side of it and i was i I was i was a bugger you know and Mm. back then you were angry young men we've all got it but we've got no voice and the only voice you had was on the terraces i suppose yeah that can't happen today it's uh, it's facebook social media and everybody can be a tough man and so on and so forth but yeah the next few years were just just a blur keith you know run-ins with the law living for the weekend like every football fan it was just a whirlwind took over my life and not proud of it, but uh, I've taken the hits and then I've taken the bits from that chapter and learned from my mistakes, you know. So it's took me until I'm about 40 till I finally calmed down and stopped rowing with people, but <laughs> yeah, I've got there. But uh, in between, I used to flirt with fishing, you know. I used to go fishing, but, um, you know, uh, I've always loved fishing, but 
I don't know what it is with fishing. Back then, it was it was kind of like a, a weird pastime. It wasn't thought of. It wasn't trendy. But you know, I always always used to look forward to getting the uh, angling times. I can remember being really young, going back onto one of them coaches. I think it was to Luddington to watch a world championship. Would that yeah, have been right? Yeah. Yeah, I can remember. That was when um, Dave Thomas won the. He won both days. Well, I knew you'd have a great memory for that, but I, uh, you well, know, I wrote about it a few weeks ago. Oh, did you? It sounds good. Yeah, Dave, I, I had a lovely email from a lovely letter actually from Dave as well, following it, uh, putting me right on a few things because you know I, I'm, I'm allowed to have a, a, a slight distortion in my memory banks, and um, but he, he put and, and I did some research as well, but he, he put me right. Uh, on a few very very gentle things nothing i didn't you know say he was someone he wasn't but uh yeah he, he really he, such a sharp memory for it and, and and all that went on then and and dave thomas's elevation through the ranks of match which you he won he won both days at Ludington. the river came up and i think france won the individual england were nailed on to win it because it was all wagra and stick float and of course when you get a drop of water things change but um anyway that that was that was that so but you, you eventually got into match fishing and you were pretty successful, weren't you? I mean, you, you, you certainly weren't one of those that you weren't, didn't enter the draw as pea fodder. Well, you know, I used to be that kid that used to walk into a tackle shop on a Friday and you'd see the crowd by the counter. And that crowd, if, say, if if Wolverhampton and Whitmarines was, uh, was a university of fishing, this was, this, was, this was Harvard, Keith, because you'd got Peter Plant, Joe Brennan, the Turners, yeah. Simon Mottram, even Kenny Jars had popped round, Dave Barrow, you know, uh, you'd got all these anglers there and then you'd got these youngsters coming up with Simon Christian, Kieran Rich, to get into one of those places, to see, to, to, to be that guy in the tackle shop and not just walk in for a pint and walk out. You, you had to be up there kind of thing. You know it, Keith, you've been to these shops. It, that's what happened, you know, it was a social place and I always looked up to these people. I mean, Peter Plant and Joe Brennan, I just, I thought that they were just geniuses. Absolute geniuses. Peter died not long ago, didn't he? Passed he did, away. Unfortunately, mate. Joe's still around. In fact, Joe's talking about getting back into match fishing again this year. Oh, Joe's a lovely man. I see him down the walls now and again. Yeah, I've, I've met him. You know, in in my day, we had to get around to find matches. So I fished places like the Seven and the Avon, and I used to fish the odd Stourport Open, and Joe would be oh, there. Yeah, and, yeah. And a lovely man, and, and I saw him on the Upper Trent a few times as well when we had nationals and, and other matches I fished up there, and Joe was always around, and, and Pete Plant was more often on the canal. But the Turners, as you mentioned, are two, two of the best canal anglers ever. Oh, well, that, that was the crowd, you know. That's what you looked up to. But instead of going every week and getting battered, I used to... Uh, if I knew I wouldn't compete, I wouldn't fish the match, but I'd ask Pete if I could watch him mm. and picked up a hell of a lot off Peter Plant, a hell of a lot. And, uh, you know, the Turners, as I say, that these guys, this crowd, and then it wasn't just that in Wolverhampton. There was another crowd as well of specimen anglers, great special anglers like uh, Des Taylor and Nigel Williams, you know. Uh, I don't get on with either of them now, but... Uh, I still respect them as anglers because they did it, you know. They went there and they did it. They caught those fish and you looked up to all these people. So, And then, uh, you know, I slowly got into the club scene then, out of the club scene, and, you know, cut your teeth as as, as everybody does, but always wanting to learn. That's, that's the biggest thing I took from my match fishing. I never fished a match and came away from it and didn't write about it myself for my own notes. Never. 
Oh yeah, and I've still yeah. got them. I've still got all the notes from uh, whether really? it was a, yeah, whether it was a good good match or a bad match. And uh, I always looked at things and thought, you know, you'd, you'd have times in a match where you know I've I've been trembling in a match on the River Seven when you got great anglers next to you, and Ken Cope was telling me how to fish it one way, <laughs> and then you've caught a barbel, and then you try to put the try to put two maggots on at the end of your hand, shaking because you you're 15, and somebody's told you you're winning the match, and you know it, those things to take a breath and sit back and say, you know what. It doesn't matter if you're winning, you could lose. Somebody else could catch on. That's it. That's fishing. So I always took notes. And then uh, I suppose getting into the trade via this kind of match fishing, it was, uh, it was a weird one, actually. I was, uh, I was winning a few matches, and that's not a trumpet-blowing thing. It, it's there in black and white, you know. I was, I was winning a lot of matches. But uh, because I was doing different types of fishing, I, I could be sea fishing one week with Nigel Williams, pike fishing the next week and I was getting to look at things a different way so I'll get there and think actually it's going to blow a hooli today instead of feeding for a hundred pound which you needed you're not going to be able to catch a hundred pound I'll tell you what, I'm going to feed for 40 pound and catch 40 pound and if it worked it worked if it didn't I'd made a mistake but I took the weather into it in such a big way that um, it kind of worked and then Dave Woodmans he came to do a feature with me um, because I'd, I'd had a ridiculously good run at this place called Moncor and I came up with a method that's now commonplace and you'll laugh at this kid because you probably think no you didn't come up with that method but at the time I'm not sure if there's 80s or 90s I was using the hair rigging matches and an old-fashioned really? winkle picker and a three-inch up yeah. length yeah like yeah. a bolt rig on a hair rig and yeah. I was winning That'll a be, lot. Well, it got ridiculed it was a, it was a feature mate it was a feature in the Anglian Times and it got ridiculed by my peers by saying, bloody airy, getting this for carp fishing, yeah. that is your daft bugger, stick to whatever, you know, squat fishing. And But, you know, it was um, – now I was winning matches, I could pump my chest out and I'd talk to people a lot longer in this crowd, in the fishing tackle shop crowd. And, yeah, that, that, that's, I suppose that's how you can get into it. And if, if there was a crowd there, as I say, Peter Plant, Joe Brennan, Wolverhampton was the Harvard University of fishing for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was – it, it it was just a. Ama- I had fishing heroes. I think that's what that's what got me. I had a lot of fishing heroes. I liked to know what, what John Allerton was up to. I'd want to yeah. know what you know. You, you could read about this. And I used to rush for world championship, even though I wasn't fishing at the time. I used to rush to try and get the world championship results or the national peg by peg breakdowns, and just look at it. Well, that know. was amazing looking at that, and you could you could come up with such a your own built in spreadsheet, couldn't you? Yeah. Just, all right. Let's- he got done off that peg. How did the peg next to him do? You running down the peg numbers looking, oh, he got done both sides. That's not like him. Or, or he, look at that. He slaughtered both sides. That's what a class angry is. All that kind of stuff. You know it. Well, you, you could say to me, I still have a, an absolute encyclopedia of match fishing results, which then lend well, as I'm getting into, which then lend well into match fishing. So, say, for instance, uh, I'll just have a look at my computer here. Say, for instance, take a date, 19th of October, 2006. I could tell you a result on the tidal trend at South Clifton. 18 fished it, Roly Moses won with 23 pound of roach on the Waggler fed bronze maggots. And I've got that all the way down to 10th. And I've probably got... 60 to 70 400 page books on river seven matches uh match reports that i've gleaned off people and got them and i look at them and then i think uh, at the time i was doing features people would say oh steve do you want to go down to the trent and then fish this at long gigging i'd look and i'd say actually long gigging let's have a look uh long gigging on that day in particular jeff winterbottom 
He won it with £27 of Bream and Skimmers on the ground bait feeder. Yeah, we'll go and do a feeder on, feature on that. So it became very easy because I've got this, I've got a, a roadmap of, of what was going on where. And I kind of enjoyed that. I enjoyed learning and listening from results and people, but always I'd have the weather. The weather was the most important thing to me. I'd look at weather, say whether it's low pressure, changing pressure, high pressure, and then I'd judge my fishing accordingly to the weather. So instead of feeding for 100, I'd fish for 10. And if, if, I, if I thought it was going to fish brilliant, I'd feed for 200 pound to catch 100 pound. And uh, That's the difference between commercial fisheries. When I was thinking about that, I think, hang on, there was a frost last night, or it, it rained last night. I'm fishing a match on the canal. It rained yesterday. Now, most people think rain-coloured water. You go on a canal, it's exactly the opposite. The canal goes, the London Canal, anyway, goes gin clear. And, oh, that's going to be tough. It'll be bread, and, you know, you won't catch anything on castor or chopworm. And, and, and yeah, basically, you tack around that. Only I was looking more, shall I fish for £3 or £8? It was, yeah. <laughs> rather than 100 or 200 or 100 or 40, shall I fish for £8 or £3? And occasionally you'd be wrong. But uh, you, you could get a pretty good idea of what it was going to be like. Couldn't you? I, I, it's one of my regrets that I didn't keep. I haven't got a diary, never kept a diary, can't stand diaries, see no point in it at all. I've got diaries that tell me what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> and by that, I can look at the past and yeah. see what appointments I've had. Yeah. But no, I've, I've, I've never done that. And, and I've, I've got a reasonably good memory, but still people come up and say, do you remember that match you won or something? Oh, that match you didn't win or whatever. And I, no, I don't. Somebody sent me a... a, a a page from, I guess it was Angling Times, a few weeks ago of a picture of me sitting on the ground with a net of fish in front of me on a match I won on the Great Ooze, and I didn't remember it at all. I saw that somewhere, Keith. I've seen that picture somewhere. I saw it myself. I, 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 funnily enough, I don't keep, I have not got a single copy of a magazine or any feature I've ever done. I don't do that. I've got no pictures of myself in there. You know, I don't, I've never done that. I've never wanted to say, oh, look there, I've, I've done that. But looking back, when you when somebody else is talking to you about it, I did a, an interview for a, a German magazine recently, and you look back and you think, wow, geez, you, you know, you've won these. But I can't tell you. I couldn't go back and say, oh, I won this match doing this because of blah, 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 or, you know, it, uh, it'd, need, it'd need a diary. And the diaries I've got is everybody else's fishing. Then I look back at mine. Mine are just quick notes, but everybody else's is in, really in detail. I'll go, went fishing today. It was 10.33 MB, a drop of yesterday, 10.20 MB. It was 16 degrees, blah, blah, blah. And I look at it, wind patterns and stuff like that. And, to be fair, it's been very successful for me with carp fishing. I, mean, I do a fair bit of big carp fishing, and I've joined a syndicate, so no publicity syndicate, very difficult, massive pit, old gravel pit, and I've had fish to £49, and I'm the only person on the syndicate that doesn't fish any night sessions, and I only fish morning sessions. So uh, I just look at the weather thinking, do you know what, I'll do that. I took that off Neville Ficklin, actually. You know, I'm very good at pinching things off people, you know, and looking. It's uh, Adapting, you adapting. We don't pinch, adapt, yeah, adapting. not pinching, then <laughs> adapting. But <clears throat> as far as the match fishing went, I had a very, very, very good upbringing with the scene around there, you know, and anglers that you could really look up to. I don't think you get that these days, Keith. You know, I remember watching you in 1999. Um, which haven you know oh yeah of course yeah. because we used to go around there you know you'd go and have a laugh with Dick Derrington for a bit and then you, you know it, it it was one of those things it was it, it was great to see and you look at those anglers and you think bloody hell I think if I if I did um, I can't remember when it was either Jan Porter or Dave Harrell was on the peg the day before for the witch haven the one that you won 
The Witch Haven, though. That was 97, I won The Witch oh, Haven. 99, I won The Smiths, yeah. Um, the Witch Haven was, I think, I think it was in my peg the day before, Keith Hobson. Keith Hobson, Hobbo, yeah. I was I was just above the caravan. Do you remember that deep, that deep water fish? The first two hours for a barber looked a big eel that took me into a snag. And I know Hobbo had run the section the day before with roach. So I'd been pinging a few roach out of a 20-foot um, rod I used to trot in because awkward wind and a little use a much smaller stick for a longer rod and I was just pinging casters and I went on the caster and I caught two or three ropes thought that's it and then the rest of me actually spent fighting a barbel well I've, I've actually got I think I've got notes of that I, uh, I'd have to have a look for them but I've got notes of that match and I've drawn a little map of where the snag was really so it's, yeah that, that, that's the amount of detail I went in I'd done stuff with Milo Colombo when I was watching him down there you know and I took it into that detail and I can only think that that's helped when you go other types of fishing because uh, I quickly realised I'm not like other anglers. I, I I can go pike fishing and I could catch a 28-pounder. Uh, I did a few weeks ago, caught a 28-pounder. Everybody else think, oh, that's fantastic, brilliant fish. Let's take pictures. I had more fun catching the bait for other anglers. I can honestly say that because <laughs> I'm looking at it thinking, that pike, it, 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 it was luck, really. I was there at the right time, right place, and he just opened his mouth. There wasn't any real skill involved in that. I know there is, but in my mind, I'm thinking, where was the challenge? And then the, the, I've had a wonderful day on the Norfolk Broads just before the second lockdown where we caught fantastic fish during the day. And then I was trying to catch a daddy rough, and I couldn't catch one. Couldn't catch a daddy rough on the lures, whatever I did. Lures, yeah? And, yeah, and then the best one I had was when it went dark, I had a head torch in the shallows watching Daddy Ruff. It's been the best session I've ever had. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd caught pike to 20 pound that same day. It doesn't even register. But I had more fun watching them Daddy Ruff. They're hen's teeth now, aren't they, Ruff? I mean, trying trying to catch on on anything. I, I can't remember. I mean, I, I don't fish as often as I used to, but I can't remember the last time I caught one. But I remember once going on a match on the canal at Shugborough um, and it, it breaking the ice, Billy making her his leg. He threw a big lump, he had a lump of, lump of wood tied to the end of a bit of rope and he threw it and it coins, he sort of half volleyed the ice and it bounced back on the length of rope and hit him on the knee. So we had to carry his gear back to the car for him. And, and, and the snow, as I jumped over this wall for a shortcut to the car and the snow came up to me thighs. You don't get days like that. But the bloke won it on my, I, I turned up late because of the weather and I, I can't remember, I, I did, I was halfway up my section. It was one of, I think it was one of Pat O'Connor's old safe weight leagues. And um, I had one pound 11 odd of little roach and perch. And I actually lost the perch that day that froze to death. It dropped off on the ice, froze to the ice, and I couldn't reach it. No way. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was really, really thick ice. But my section, the match was one with five pound odd of Daddy Ruff. And it was like, wait, his, his keep net was like a giant pineapple. Wow. You, you don't, you just don't see him like you used to. Be. And, and that, I understand, is, is there's Xander delicacies. Yeah, well, there's a lot of them in the Norfolk Broads, and there's not a lot of Xander. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That, that gives you a, gives you an idea. But yeah, I, I, when you say about fishing, what type of fishing? I, I just go fishing, Keith. I, you know, I just yeah. I've been targeting chub on a tiny river. I'm looking at rivers going on my mountain bike now, finding rivers that I don't think anybody's ever fished. Mm. And just, I like that type of fishing now. Some, the match fishing bug went out of me when I went when I won a particular match that I wanted to win, and that mm. was it. It was kind of like you've done this now, which was, I know it was one that came very agonisingly close for you was the Division One National. You know, it's uh, <laughs> uh, winning that was, 
you know, when when you were a kid and you were going on coaches to these Division One nationals, I think I don't think people now realise how big the oh, nationals were. You know, and there's some. I think it was done with one of them Kodak funny cameras. There's somebody. There's a picture. I've seen it. Somebody put it on Facebook. And I've tried to get hold of the guy. They're filming people getting on the coach somewhere. And they mm. said, uh, I wasn't old enough to fish. And I said, oh, one day I'd like to win the Division One National, you know, to laughs of everybody on the coach. And to, yeah. to do that, he kind of knocked the wind out of sails with match fishing. I still fish a few. Um, I like canal fishing. I like fishing the trend. Um, but I just love fishing. doesn't matter what yeah. it's for. It's uh, I've still got that bug. I've always said, when I lose that bug, I'll jack in. I won't go anymore. Tell us about your national win, Steve. Oh, it's, it was just pure luck, really. Um, I was fishing for, um, oh, goodness me, I forgot the name of them, bless them. Uh, it, was, it was a southern crew, and I've been practising a hell of a lot and doing all right in practices as well. Um, but I hadn't got a team to fish for, and this particular team said, oh, do you want to come fish for us? Um, I don't know, it's unsportingly, unsportingmanly, but they said, we want to get relegated because next year the Division 2 is on our home water. So I said, yeah, I'll come and fish. I said, but if I don't draw peg one eye, I'm going home and doing a feature with Ian Chapman. So the draw was there, you know, everybody's chatting in the car park at Southern Racecourse. And this lady came out to me and said, what peg did you want? I said, one A. She said, oh, well, you've got it. I went, get off with you. She said, yeah, yeah, you've got it. And I remember saying to everybody in the car, I think Gala's got the one, Tommy Pickett. I said, you might as well pack up, you lot. Don't even bother going to your pegs. I'll smash this. <laughs> so the one at Gunthorpe, one eye at Gunthorpe. Uh, it was the one that uh, it was the one on the Trent, yeah. And I drew peg one eye on the weir. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I got there and Collingham, I, Collingham, I, Collingham weir. weir. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'd, I'd made a few phone calls. And I spoke to the winner that had won it off there before, and he said, "Yeah, you want to fish for bream because you know you want to have the gear to get the barbel out. The bream are there. The bream are there. You catch loads of bream. You'll have fifty hundred pound of bream." And I fished for the bream, and they weren't there, Keith. So you can imagine in that match, you're thinking, oh, Christ. oh no, I've told everybody I'm going to win this match. And then I started shaking, thinking, oh, no. But luckily, I'd got, I've got some special rods that I'd made up because I was still fishing matches at Bridge North and everywhere. So I've got some mm. 13 and 14-foot barbell rods, uh, which were a pound and three-quarter test curve, Harrison Blanks, just made for the job. And uh, I asked the steward, I said, where can I cast on here? He said, well, you can cast anywhere. I said, well... I need to make sure because that looks upstream to me. He said, well, no, it's a weir, so you can cast anywhere. So I got this rod out, tried to launch it, and I remember reeling back, and it was like 104 turns. It was a right launch, but I got the rods to do it. So I cast out probably 30, 40 feeders and then uh, just reeled it back, then went to set up my gear. This guy said, what are you doing? I said, I'm letting them get their heads down. If there's barbel there and they get the reds down, I fish a lot for barbel, they'll proper have it. And then I just cast out then and it was just easy then. They were there. They were just there. It was it was a fair old chuck, to be fair. And I don't know whether I've always said a few people, I think it was Andy May's dad that came up to me. He's a lovely man. He said, I don't think Steve many people Yeah. He said, I don't think many people would have had the gear to do that, to be honest. Because no. it's a fair old chuck that with it's okay saying you could chuck hundred yards, but doing it with a full feeder and an eight foot tail with a pellet on yeah. it's something different you know it's uh and yeah it just went it just went like clockwork you know 128 pound later and <laughs> yeah it just knocks the wind out of your sails then with your match fishing because you've always wanted to have a win like that and uh, you've done it you've done it now where'd you go you know i'd still like to do a fisher mania 
Um, I think that's the, that's the cream of the crop. That's the pinnacle. Um, but yeah, where do you go from there? So I've been doing that many times. I, I love me fly fishing, sea fishing. There's, I don't think there's a discipline of fishing. I, don't, I suppose now, if I had to say something I don't like, it's probably shipping 16 meters on canal lakes. Like, yeah. you know, uh, there's, do that, that kind there's of. kids that are brilliant at that and I can't compete. Yeah. And if you can't compete, you get cheesed off and then you get cheesed off. You're not enjoying it. What's the point going? <laughs> Simple as that. Remind me, remind me to tell you about my day at Fiskerton because it's remarkably like your day at Collingham, only with chub rather than barbell. But that's, that's a completely different story. Doesn't it happen but, like that with fishing though, Keith? Yeah. You know, one, one match will go completely your way and then other matches, you yeah. know. I remember on a winter league, I think it was, uh, uh, is it? Chris Vandervelt, the the stripping fireman, yeah, great angler, yeah. and it was a winter league. I think it was at Woodlands, and uh, he said, I'm, uh, "I tried everything, and then I'd gone down the edge catching small fish down the edge, tiny silvers, thinking, do you know what, ten fifteen pounds going to do this." And at the time, it was, and he got this flask out and said, "Put his crossed his legs like Tommy Pickering, chucked the feeder out, said I'll have one now, and did." immediately yeah. and then add another one and then i think oh god that's fishing you know that that's that's matches so one will go your way one won't and yeah. uh no doubt about that you, you mentioned that you um you got into the trade what, what door did you go through for that that was amazing i think every door I've, I've been very lucky keith you know there's not a day i don't wake up and think i've been lucky with this fishing trade because um i was doing a feature with dave woodmansey for angling times and he said, there's a company that are looking for a sales manager that hasn't really been in the trade but knows a bit about fishing. And at the time, I was quite successful in the pharmaceutical industry. And he said, they're looking for somebody. So uh, a place called Masterline. And to be honest, I hadn't heard of them because you match fishing, you know. You know, there's the yeah. brands you know about, Daiwa, Shakespeare, uh, Colmic, Tubertini, you know, those are the people you knew about. He didn't hear of Masterline. Need to be a John Wilson fan, didn't you, to know about Masterline? Well, there you go. But John Wilson, fully enough, when I was a kid, we used to shout, Wilson, when we got a fish on and start laughing like yeah. daft buggers. You know, we always, me and my mates, we used to slip down the bank doing daft stuff, Wilson, even if you caught a gudgeon. And um, yeah, the, this Masterline company had the interview and the rest. It, it had gone from that interview to then a lad from Whit Marines was now sat in a sales meeting in New York with a Cortland Fly company. I was staying at the Von Trapps family lodge in Vermont with Diamondback, then going to Argentina, mm. China, F Texas. You know, it's amazing when you look back at it, uh, how it just seemed to happen. You know, and then I've gone from this guy who used to have a childhood hero, the television star at the time. All of a sudden, I've gone from come from shouting Wilson to his mates when I got a bite to going fishing with him discussing business you know so it's you know sitting down with him it, it just all happened in a in a in a whirlwind you know and uh, john was a great guy a good angler you know a lot of people in the oh, when i was match fishing they used to say oh he's useless though isn't he? no he wasn't no, you know not. Well, in, in fact very few of those good famous anglers are used to people like you know martin bowler's a tremendous angler terry hearn is whatever he does i've watched terry hearn fish a stick flow and he's yep. brilliant at it he's just never done it in a match but you watch him down on the test trying to catch a grayling on it or or whatever but you know they're, they're just very 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 good anglers matt hayes who's as, as cack-handed as polly you know he's, he's got he changes hands halfway through playing fish and but when he puts his bait in front of something he does it I wish I could do it like that. You know, it's one of those kind of people. Do you know what I've always said that they've got it, haven't they? I can't yeah. I can't quantify it. You you've got to have had it 
to get where you yeah. were because if you would find it a lot easier now getting to where you were in the match fishing scene than it was then because you weren't competing with 10 blokes on a Wednesday pegger, three pegger. You were competing with 200, 300 week in, week out. So for you to yeah. get your name up there, Keith, without me sounding like I'm blowing smoke, you've got to have done it. And that's forgotten, I think, with a lot of kids nowadays. And John John had done it. He was a great angler. You know, He pulled media yeah. stunts for people that don't know that worked and done features in the media. Uh, he pulled those stunts, but when he had to catch one, he caught him. He was a good, oh, good yeah. angler. I tell you, the Very funniest nice. story, Keith, of uh, John Wilson, that I can ever tell you, is that, uh, have you heard of the brewery called Green King? Yeah, I know Green King. So yeah. Green King ran a promotion with us. We used to sell the John Wilson Avon Quiver that earned us a lot of money. And we ran a promotion where they collected four beer mats and they could buy a John Wilson rod for 40 quid, say, for instance, and they got entered into a competition to win a day with him. So anyway, this day came, <clears throat> and um, the hotel where he was staying, the winners could meet him for five minutes. Uh, but before I, before he got there, because he liked the wine, John did, I knew he'd uh, have a few down him, I asked everybody in the hotel to go over to John Wilson and say, hey, yibbity yabbity Rex, you're Rex Hunt, aren't you? And the first one that did it was when the starter came over, the waiter. I said, listen, mate, I'll buy you a drink. We just say, oh, yibbity yabbada, thank you for the rabbits. So he said this to John. John went, I think that was strange, wasn't it? No, 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 you're thinking of somebody else. But by the end of the night, and 30 people asked him, including groups of women and Hindus, asking for pictures of Rex Hunt. He, was getting, he got well there, and I didn't tell him till the next day, bless him. So was, uh, yeah, was, I'm not bloody Rex Hunt. But you know what he was like when he had a drink in him. He was he was really oh, funny. He loved to drop a red. He did bless him. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny actually. I sort of found some old slides because he really encouraged me because I went through a stage where I was trying to catch every single fish, freshwater fish on the fly, and I couldn't oh, yeah. catch an eel. Eel eluded me. Um, and I, I found a slide the other day that just said, "Good luck with that eel." Here's a picture of one to inspire. You know, I thought you know touches like that they don't happen anymore, Keith. Do they? Yeah. No. They don't. So yeah, it was. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've gone from I've gone from this bloke in Whit Marines to, as I say, in in amazing places, you know. And I, I recall now, but I didn't at the time. I was in the Florida Keys, which you know well, um, uh, and I was with a guy. Some guy introduced me to these two angler, two old boys. One was called Lefty Cray, and the other one was Stu Apt. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they they did stuff for us. Uh, it was a company called Temple Fork Outfitters at the time, and Stuart was doing stuff for yeah. Stuart was doing stuff for me for for our company, which was Diamondback Rods. And you know, I got to talking to these guys. And he started have a go at fly fishing, and I'd done a little bit. And you know, we went out for tarpon, and then to the Miami Boat Show, and then got to be good friends. And it wasn't until six years later, because I was a match fisherman. I had no interest in these guys. There wasn't Facebook or YouTube to look at then. Uh, I didn't know the magnitude of meeting these guys until it's too late, you know. And uh, I really regret that because I, I can remember that, you know, Stuart, he was, he was a pilot telling me all these stories. And honestly, Keith, I sat there thinking, this bloke's doing my head in boring old bugger and he's telling me all these stars these tarp and i thought oh yeah i've heard them all before tarpon on this top and i just poo-pooed the stories i just washed over them and now you know lefty cray you think lefty yeah. cray looking up now and you think bloody hell what's going on there it was a very all of these three fishing eh, keith 
you know, fishing got yeah. me there. I've been yeah. to some fantastic places. And uh, well, I can say the same thing. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. The, the, people that, the people that you meet, you don't realise at the time. And, you know, you, 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 sometimes we get, one of my biggest regrets, I interviewed Frank Mundus. Yeah. Um, for Tight Lines, who was, he promotes it himself, but it is a fact that he was the, 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 the template for Captain Quint. In, in Jaws, he was the man. He'd caught a £4,000 great white shark and how he caught it, the story. And anyway, I interviewed him and we recorded it all. And um, it wasn't shown. So I said to our producer at the time, I said, where's that interview I did with, with Captain Frank? Oh, he said, I dumped it. It was too long. No. I said, where's the tape? He said, I wiped it. Oh, no. So I had 25 minutes sitting outside Star Island Yacht Club, Montauk, Montauk, New York, where he landed this 3,812-pound great white shark that he'd caught on a lump of whale meat No, that he jumped off the boat onto the whale to cut the meat off. The meat was dead, and there were five great whites. And I've got all this, and why he wears a left a green and a red sock, and why he's got funny earrings. Just an absolute remarkable character. Yeah. The man who made shark fishing, because... Nobody wanted to catch sharks. Who wants to catch sharks? They're big. They bite you. They frighten you. He 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 made shark fishing in America, and and the tape was wiped. No, so, yeah. well, it's, it's funny, you know, when you when you look back at your fishing live, for instance, and of all the things I regret them, I lost a laptop, Keith, and a bag which had got um, well, it was stolen actually. It was taken out of the car, and um, my laptop was in there, and also was an old National Geographic kind of old photography bag. But in that photography bag was two hard drives and a, a, a multitude of memory cards going back to when Canon 10Ds were out. And in there were pictures from Zimbabwe, Mozambique, trips with John to the Gambia, you know, all these kind of trips. And the pictures, irreplaceable. Yeah. Irreplaceable. Yeah. And I went through a period where I thought, you know what, no pictures, it never happened, go and do them again. Yeah. So I went to yeah. Zimbabwe again, I went to Mozambique again, and I, you know, tiger fishing, did all that again, and, uh, you know, just great experiences. But when you haven't got pictures of them, you, you've you got the memories. But if I was to tell you that, oh, yeah, I joined a fishing tackle company, I was pigeon shooting one day in Argentina, and then we were in China the next year, you, to the layman, you'd think, what the bloody hell are you on about, mate? You're pulling my string. Yeah. But you, it, <laughs> uh, you, you wouldn't be a billionaire now in fishing, but you can have some fantastic experiences. It's a, it's, it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off, it is. And you've enjoyed it, mate. Oh, mate, no, mate, no mistake about it. I mean, I don't know what I'd have done if I hadn't gone fishing. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I've always I'd thought be. that, whether I would have become a student of academia and going to Oxford and Cambridge, yeah. what we would have been like being brought up in a different area. And I always yeah. say to people, I would have missed out on, I can't tell you, I was talking to a guy the other day, I can't tell you the amount of hours I've had bird-watching because of fishing i've had more than yeah. any bird watcher in the country i could guarantee that than any bird watcher it's, it isn't and and it's yeah it, it wakes you up to the, woke me up to the countryside everything you know it, it's it's my dna now but the, the, the back to so so you went from you, you're now a master line major company major world company um and you mentioned Cortland. i was i actually went round their factory we filmed in their factory and they showed us everything except how to put the sticky stuff on the outside of fly lines yep. <laughs> they, they, would, they wouldn't show us how to apply the 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 the, the coating to the backing but and, and they, we so we filmed that sort of a big white out as yeah, we went yeah. into the into the room but yeah that was a great experience as well but then harris sports mail was where 
I first encountered you when I knew it was you. Yeah, well, um, I was working for Mastline at the time and, you know, I was enjoying this wonderful career where, you know, saying working in Buffalo, New York, with Cortland and then coming back. And then uh, one of their strategies was, and you'd love this, I need to send you a picture of this. At the time, we were looking at getting into e-commerce. Well, I was. I said, look, this is where it's going to go. And uh, I'll always remember, and I've always kept it, people in the trade have seen this letter. I had a letter off David Hall saying, Steve, mm. you're wasting your time, mate. Nobody's ever going to buy fishy tackle on a computer. <laughs> you need a shop like Trothy's. That's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah there's another story. Anyway, they they um they wanted to get into retail and e-commerce. So um, Chris and Sue Harris had set up a wonderful company, um, the Harris Lurangling Company. And Sportsmail was a very famous company run by a guy called Brodie Smith, a um, solicitor from Cardiff. And Cortland, uh, at the time the CEO, Brian Ward, decided to, this is how I'm going to get in. I'm going to buy two companies and we'll see one from the lure industry, one from the fly industry. And it, it didn't work, Keith. The trade didn't take very kindly to it. Uh, understandably thinking that hold on one second you're competing against us you're selling to us and competing against us it was the first of its time and this buying off the internet with uh, the Harris Angling Company this was all new what what the hell are they doing there with Sportsmail going instead of having eight pages on Trout and Salmon magazine we took away the eight pages and advertised them on the internet what's going on yeah you can't do this Uh, but I saw something in it actually Key I thought you know what this is gonna this will take off this and yeah we started off with uh, we got rid of Sportsmail in Cardiff um and kept harris angling i think it was down to uh, i won't bore you with the legalities there was a lease on one property and a, a longer lease on the other one so doing due diligence we thought that we'd be better off keeping harris and i got on really well with the staff at harris i've still got one of the original members there and uh yeah we kept it over in norfolk and it also gave me a great excuse to go over to the norfolk broads every other week from the midlands so <laughs> yeah um it, it was a labour of love, really. So we've been we've been in the trade ever since. And then, because of the lure fishing, grew bigger and bigger. I didn't actually enjoy lure fishing at the time. And when I joined Masterline, we were given Rapala. Yes, of course. And at the time, people won't believe you try selling a bit of wood with two trebles on to Tackle Exchange, Walton on Thames. He wasn't having it. Ten ninety nine for a bit of wood with balsam. Don't talk daft. And that was it. Yeah. I've got spinners in here that'll do the same job for three quid, you know. So it was, it was a tough, tough ask. And I thought I started doing it and thinking actually there might be a bit of science into this and enjoying lure fishing. As I was going over to America, I've seen how that was evolving, and then um, I was going to America regularly, seeing the Bass Pro Tour, being involved in Cabela's and Bass Pro, and I just saw a little bit of it taking off. And I've been banging the drum, as you well know, since I think 1999 to get people into lure fishing. And I think only now it's coming to fruition. People are actually taking yeah, it serious just, now, and uh, everywhere. Yeah, the, you know, the people. I'm more likely to find a lure angler down my local stretch of river uh, than I am anything. Ten years ago, it would have been a carp angler. Yeah. Ten years before that, it would have been match anglers yeah. lining the banks. Um, now it's if, if I see anyone. Well, you know, for all my foibles, and I've got loads, and I've rowdied everybody in the past, including yourself, you know, we've both been big enough to to say, you know, that I do actually respect you, even though we had rows. It's it's a funny thing, this, Keith. It's a a Wolverhampton thing. You can have a row with somebody, 
and that's it. It's a row with somebody. But in the tackle trade, it, it, it doesn't translate well. And you have a row and that's it. Bridges are burnt and then character assassination goes on. And, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's fishing. We're all fishermen. And I, I don't like to be fragmented. I don't want to be a carp angler. I don't want to be a pike angler. I'm a fisherman. I go fishing. Mm. And one thing I've tried to do, and I could look back and say, do you know what? I have pushed for this lure fishing constantly constantly telling people about the merits of it of how easy it is to get into and it's not it's not difficult to catch a perch don't let anybody kid you it's not difficult trying to find a five pound perch is difficult trying to catch a five pound perch isn't difficult and i could tell you why i've taken some i had this argument the other day and i I love having a good row i could have a row in an empty house keith Get away! away. (laughs) well this guy said to me that perch fishing isn't science it's it takes this you've got to do this you've got it i said it isn't because i took a friend of mine philip i took him fishing on a reservoir an angling water reservoir never been fishing before total not done anything never cast a rod before so i showed him with this little crankbait i said right you cast out uh cast out then he's got casting right as he's cast out he's reeled back in i said right i've caught some big perch here and he's had a five pound two perch fish of a lifetime followed by a four pound <laughs> how can that be a science <laughs> yeah that's right he can't it's it, 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 it got a guy on the boat there and uh you know i even went into guiding keith and i quickly got out of it i remember taking a guy and it was at rutland and he paid me for that. I couldn't believe I launched this guiding service. And within seconds, I was booked up. I've never thought that I was famous in fishing or had something to give. But I was actually booked up with people wanting to pay me 250 quid to go fishing. I thought, hold on one second. That's a bit too cheap. So what I used to do is take them on the boat and I'd say, look, I can't stand guiding. I only like guides when I'm in Florida or a different country that uh, show me what to do. But this is the deal. We'll have a little competition who can catch the most perch or the longest length of perch or Xander. Whoever wins, that's it. You've got to pay me. If you win, we'll have a day's out fishing and you can owe you 250 quid back. I, you know, it's a, the, the money wasn't the, the object here. It was getting somebody into fishing. And I had this guy come onto a boat and he said, uh, oh, yeah, Steve, I'd, I'd like to break my PB today. I said, what's that? He said, oh, five pound. I said, well, I know there's been a couple of three pounders here. He says, oh, I catch three pounders all the time. And I know there's been a four pounder here. Oh, yeah, I catch four pounders all the time, one or five. I said, tell you what, here's your money back. Drive the boat back. I said, yeah. that's it, finish for me. If I'm not enjoying it, I can't have it. I can't, I can't sit on the boat and argue with you for five hours. It's 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 a load of rubbish. But getting people into lure fishing, I do a lot with councils now. It's great because it's not a kid sat on a Shakespeare box. Nothing against people sat on a Shakespeare box, but it's not a kid sat on a Shakespeare box dangling a pole, getting that in a tangle to catch roughly the same size fish, either a roach. I can get them with a lure rod, catching perch efficiently, proficiently, within minutes. Yeah. man woman child i can get them doing it and it's that bite that electric that feel you know that gets them going and because you're using such naught to two gram rods a two ounce perch will give you a tug you know oh, it bends it right. it's it's, it's a wonderful way of getting people into it and when i take pe- people fishing now if i'm taking somebody fishing for the first time i only take them in summer and i'll take them with chum mixers so they can see their quarry yeah. and take it off the top i don't want to take them in winter uh, or when it gets cold, because I don't think they're coming back. And if I take kids and they see the carp and they see everything, I say to everybody, if you're going to take somebody fishing for the first time, go and take a net down the canal to catch a stickleback and then show them what fish you're eating. And then we'll have yeah. a go and get trying to catch a bigger one. So instead of we, we'll go from an inch to two inches to three inches, and then you could, you know, go your own way then. Don't let me teach you. Go your own way. And I'm loving seeing how many people how many bums on banks 
I've put on in this lure fishing way. And it's, yeah. it, it's, it's my inspiration now for fishing. It's, that's what gets me, you know, it's, a, I've seen what you've done with your fantastic project, you know, and there's not enough people know about the work that you do down there. And I do it in such a small way with different councils getting naughty kids doing, cause I could talk to naughty kids in their language. I've been there, yeah. you know, I've, I've been to football. I've been, spraying buses i've been graffiti I've, I've been there so i could i could see what they're after and i don't reward them with fishing it's not a naughty boys club now where oh yeah oh, no. oh yeah i've just robbed an house so i'll get steve to take me fishing oh no you need to do i do i've got a three-page uh, exam that they need to do on flora and fauna so it'll be the different types of ducks it would have to be they have, need to find out the, the temperature which way the wind's going what type of clouds are going what the weeds are around the side of the canal or the users of the canal blah 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 then once you've done that three pager and you get 30 out of 30 then i'll take you fishing but only if you behave mm. you know and it, it gets them to learn about the environment we do litter picking before they can go fishing and oh, yeah. uh, i'm seeing it now i'm seeing uh, i get messages from these kids in tipton wolverhampton birmingham saying oh steve yeah i had a two pound six cents perch the other day on the lure i'm loving it now there's loads of lure fishing you know not got in trouble for six weeks and <laughs> six weeks might not sound a long time but for some of these little buggers keith it's a it's a long time yeah. and uh, I've, I've seen which way they can go and that, that, that my life has afforded me now where I can say, actually, I've done that. So uh, I can teach them to go a different way. And I enjoy and that. Saw a pied when you, and I saw a pied wagtail. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I speak to a lot of bird watchers where I'm, I'm, I go to Attenborough Reservoir, uh, well, I did before oh, lockdown, yeah. and I speak to a lot of top birders that say, oh, you know, Steve, they, they know me by now, no, Steve, have you seen the Merlin? Or, you know, because they know that I'm there watching it for eight hours, they turn up for the two two hour parking ticket you know yeah. so uh, we see the, the bird watching and life we see i've just got a little film um the bbc have asked for it actually um where i've got i've got two friends now they're my only friends keith two voles which are <laughs> they're the only people that come fishing with me and i don't row with so uh yeah i've got two little voles that you know mr and mrs vole that i see and i've managed to capture their footage on a on an iphone it's it's wonderful to see because People cannot believe that those voles are there because they're not there for the time that I am. No. And they're not as quiet as I am. And no. it, only fishing can do that, mate. And it's, uh, I wish you could wrap it up in a marketable package and throw it at everybody uh, and say, you know, that this is what you need to do because people get different things out of it, don't they? You know, it's. Uh, oh, unbelievable. It, it, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we, we, uh, you mentioned the, the project down here. We've, we've got four Gelks on fishing projects around the country, but the one down here uh, at, at Nogsholt, which is in probably the most deprived of the areas, I would think. Uh, of the, I don't know. No, they're, they're all in places that aren't particularly salubrious, but we, we're lucky we, uh, that the, down here we've got lakes that we, we manage and the ethnic diversity is, is huge absolutely huge and to see people that traditionally would never ever go fishing come around and talk to you about fishing what, what are you doing you know what, what can we do this and, and and then they have a little have a go session and they get into it and then they notice oh look look what's that duck no it's not a duck that's a coot you can tell it's a coot because it's got that white bit there but if it's black like that but it's got an orange bit it's a moy and, and they've got green legs and really green legs and yeah and and they get they get into it. They just get into it. Even I was there yesterday, and I was showing someone flies hatching. 
Brilliant. Now, you wouldn't think that was that interesting, but there were little tiny buzzers coming yeah. off. It's quite a cold. There's one, there's one. Oh, where did that come from? Did it just land there? No, it came from the bottom of the lake. And it started as an egg, and then it turned into a worm, and then it wriggled, and then it got a little hard case, and a bit of air appeared, and that floated up to the top. Then the egg split, and it crawled out. Really? Yeah, there's another one. Look, I said, if you go over that corner, you'll find all the little shells that they came out of. Really? And and they're astonished by it. It's but it opened. It is fishing's a portal, isn't it, for the countryside? And it's one of the few things that you can actually say is a portal for the countryside. You can go out and have a picnic, and you can go out and go horse riding, and you do all those things. But angling is actually a portal to the environment, to the whole of the outside world that people would never see. No. And it's, uh, I'm trying to try and, I wish I could uh, just copy and paste what, say, they do in the Netherlands. I was doing a lot of stuff over there with, they, they do uh, great lure fishing matches with families. Dad's got to catch oh, yeah. first, then mom yeah. has to catch. Yeah. And then kids and the state is a bit like that, isn't it? I mean, th- I, I looked up for another reason yesterday. Thirty-six percent of license holders in the USA are female. Do you know what I, I do a lot with? Um, I don't know whether you know. Take me fishing is a, is an American thing, and I've I've got a lot of contacts with them because while I was with Cortland, we had a lot to do with the scouts, where we set up a scouting badge, and I'm very proud of that. We we went a long way. There's a lot of work that went into that, and um, when the mums were dropping the kids off. They had an interest in the countryside, not necessarily the fishing to start with, because there's still this cruelty tagged to it, which there is, yeah. you know, that people tag that to it. And when, when you show them that we're such nurturing ambassadors for the countryside, they get it, you know, they, they get it. Yeah. I'm not eloquent enough, or I don't have the, the Oxford accent to, to come across in the UK and tell people this. But in America, when they don't, they don't know my accent, they all think I'm an Australian. They, yeah, me too. They listen to it, you know, they listen to you. And uh, it was wonderful seeing people get into ecology because of this, you know, and it, it's a big thing. I think what we do as fishermen, when we've done as much as we've done, Keith, we go too advanced. And there's still a lot of uh, there's still a lot of very simple learning to be done. And people nowadays coming into the sport, I feel quite sorry for them because there's a plethora of YouTube videos, and they're being steered down the wrong path. I I, t- I tell you a little story. I won't bore you to death, Keith. And my friend has got a lot of properties on this uh, stretch of canal, and he's got CCTV on all of them. And there's some quite i should say quite famous i won't name the names youtubers that have been fishing on there for the past couple of weeks and i'm privy to the uh, cctv footage it's a bit of a perversion of mine <laughs> i'll probably get locked up for it but i do have a look at watching what they're doing and where they're catching so but you know what they haven't caught anything for four weeks and they released a youtube video the other day and if you watch that youtube video if i take myself away you'd think that these anglers were the best in the world because the footage looks as if every time they go they catch something now, they've been for four weeks, 26 times, not caught a fish, and they've caught fish once, and they shared the fish between them. Obviously, that's the YouTube secret. You hold it one minute, yeah. I'll hold it the other. Then we'll do some more footage of looking like we've all caught it. So somebody getting into that is thinking, oh, I've fished this stretch of canal. Why haven't I caught? You know, and yeah. they're, they're jumping out the game. They're thinking, what's happened? I can't. I, I'm not doing it, you know. And, and in how many years that I did articles, I never did an article where it was look at me. I always did an article where I'd want you to come with me and inspire yeah. you. I named every single venue. 
I named every single, yeah. and there was no secrets, and it was all live. Chappie, me and Chappie had it to a slick art, you know. We, we, we turned up, we did it, we went. That was it. It was a day's fishing where a photographer joined me, and then I wrote about the experience, not in such an eloquent way as some of the great writers do, but you come fishing with me, and that, that's what I wrote about, and hopefully. Yeah. And luckily, we still get letters now that it did inspire people. And yeah. uh, tight lines the same, yeah, like, exactly, exactly, the same. exactly. You know that, which was even rougher because it was, you know, there, there, there was editing, obviously, but uh, yeah, the, the moving image is 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 much more difficult to cheat on. Well, that then, if you think about it, it was way ahead. You know, you and Bruno doing that stuff. Then it's it's, it's what you looked forward to, isn't it? Yeah, I know you had to be posh to have Sky, but uh, <laughs> our game. We had to have a wall. You could put the put the dish. On. I got it through China somewhere. I think where it was. <laughs> Um, but no, you, you know, it was that. It, it was it was what you looked forward to. That was the media, and now there's so much media, and it's a lot of it. I, I get lynched for saying this, but I've got to say it. It's wrong. They're barking up the wrong tree. You don't catch a three pound perch every time you go. Just go and enjoy it. You know, I take a guy fishing. I, I took him barbel fishing last year, and I wrote about it. And uh, Chappy knew. I took this guy to catch his first barbel, and the first thing he did, he said, oh, "I've bought a new camera." I said, "Put it away." He said, why? Put it away. Oh, I want to catch my first fish. I want a picture. I said, look, this is me and you fishing. I've known you for a long time. I want to go fishing. No, oh, no, I've got, I've got to do it for my sponsors. I've got, to, I've got to put a picture up. And this pressure is ruining fishermen. Yeah. You don't get fishermen Absolutely. anymore now. You don't, get, you don't get characters. You're not going to get any barlows again. You're not going to get any rows because everybody's thinking, oh, I might lose me uh, tub of maggots free or me free waggler you know due to my sponsorship and it's it's kind of i don't know what it's done to fishing it's a very strange time to be in there because matt hayes and john wilson wouldn't have made it i'll tell you that now keith nowadays because they would have just been slagged off every week matt would have been oh, slagged yeah, off for you know, they would have been yeah. bullied out of it matt would have been done yeah. for you know either fishing cag and did and john would have been done for his enthusiasm and laugh you know they wouldn't yeah. have been famous at all so it's a it's a very strange time to be in and uh you know it in my late 40s now I, i'm looking at it thinking uh am i just on that period where it tips over the edge there's not a week go by where i where i don't get asked by a youtuber to do a collaboration and I'm not interested, to be honest, Keith. I'm not interested. You know, my my, you, you, my energies is pushed towards. I want to get people fishing. I don't want to advertise myself. But you, you mentioned you're in in your forties now, and you, you've obviously done a lot. And and the latest thing, and and I assume it's still is it still operational? I, I, is there going to be an England lure team this year or in the next? There is, lure mate. World yeah, team? no. We, we, and are we, you going to be the manager? Yes, of yeah, it? we're still big on that, mate. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We're the um, the, are you ready for this, Keith? The World Carnivorous yes. Artificial Bait Boats Championships. Whoever come up with that wants lamping. In fresh water. In fresh water. <laughs> wants yeah, lamping with that. a big stick. That's a Dudley phrase. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been held on uh, October the 7th to the 9th in uh, a venue in Poland called Zagrinski Lake. Um, it's a kind of big, for Poland, it's a holiday lake, which means it goes above Ten and a half degrees, and <laughs> doesn't go past twelve. But it's uh, yeah, it's a big holiday lake. It's kind of like a beached lake. It's uh, it's kind of like family resorts, and it's quite tough by all means. But we've got a good team now, Keith. We it's still very embryonic lure fishing in that kind of uh, that arena from boats because we haven't got the waters that other countries can go to. You know, we haven't got. We just we're just not we're not privy to those kind of waters. You know, if it, everything has got a room. Someone owns 
And one of my big arguments is the difference between here in America and most of Europe is in this country, somebody owns it. Mm. So wherever you go, you've got to get permission to put your boat in. Well, there's no boat ramp here. Oh, Ireland's different. Ireland, you've got access to almost everywhere. Yep. And, and, and the, the, the local authorities or the government will make access for angling. Here... Somebody sees someone fishing on their lake and they have a shotgun. Yeah. Off you go. Oh, you're not allowed on here. And, and, and that's – and river's the same. You know, if you go in, you go to America, see a bit of water, you can fish in it, unless it's a pay lake. Do you know, I don't, you know have you heard of the Finger Lakes, Keith, in New York? Yeah, yeah like, I've fished the Finger Lakes. I, 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 fished, I fished outside Rod, Rod Serling's house on Lake Cove. How about that, the Twilight Zone? So, we, yeah, yeah. They, 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 I was on the Finger Lakes, and uh, the, the CEO at the time, Brian Ward, said, oh, let's go and fish over there. I said, how'd you get there? He said, walk across. I said, you can't walk across there. It's a golf course. Of course you can. He said, oh, there's a pool in the middle of the golf course. We're going I said, you can't do that. He said, of course you can. Don't yeah. be daft. And nobody batted an eyelid. It was freedom. Fishing for shine. It, we fish for shiners yeah. for, for something to do, yeah. But, he, you know, you, you right. step two metres over somebody's land now and you get a farmer come out. And, uh, yeah, we, we unfortunately, we're not afforded that. But what we have got now is, and I've been banging the drum for this, is there is a street fishing world championships. Yes, really. which is going to take place in Holland, yeah, in, in Amsterdam of all places, a place I fished quite a lot, yeah. you know. I'm not sure it would. Yeah. No, well, that, it's surreal, you know. It's uh, a couple of years ago we were fishing a competition, you know, you, you, you're trying to catch a Xander with your eyes looking at the end of the rod and then you turn around and there's a naughty lady with hardly anything on, you know, right behind you. But oh, mate, we used to do that at King's Cross <laughs> on the Regents Canal. <laughs> well, it was all new to me. Oh, you won't catch anything off me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's wonderful to see that uh, it's this street fishing, which is so accessible, is now yeah. is now going to be on the world stage. So it's uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So that's in um, yeah, that's well, we've got it planned for November the twentieth to the twenty first. So yeah, it's good to see street fishing taking off. Mate. I hope just I just hope everybody can behave themselves because you know I was listening to uh, Ray Burras wonderful story oh, yeah. and he say he was saying how well we've behaved as fishermen yeah during this lockdown uh, all f- a few exceptions but we have been on the on the whole very well behaved and it's a mm. it's a pleasure to see and that, that that's down to the angling trust you know if you know getting on to you saying me i'll have an argument in an empty house that's been a that was always a thorn in my side you know i used to have a row with the angling trust but now i see yeah. i see the value and I can see the other eye. Yeah, the, the optic vision has gone. The, the the monocular is no longer. Yeah, you know, and it, I, I'm a big supporter, and big supporter, needs, and uh, well, that, that's what it needs. It, it needs you to see not just from your own perspective, and to not listen to the rubbish and stuff that you you get jumped out online about how terrible it is and how, you know, every otter should be killed and yada, yada, yada. Why aren't the Angling Trust doing more about otters? And, and when can we go night fishing again? Why aren't the Angling Trust doing something about... <sighs> Do you know, with, with otters, Keith, that, that's a thing. That I've, I've got a tiny little river by me called the River Morn. And uh, I get, there's probably not a week go by where I don't get a message from somebody saying, how do you catch them chub out of there, Steve? I've been loads of times and can't catch them. There's a simple rule. A, you've got to be very, very quiet because it's it's three feet wide and one feet deep, and chub <laughs> just jump at anything. Um, and the other thing is, is that they feed at night where it's safe. 
But mm. you go online and it's otters have killed them all, otters have killed them all. Do you know what? I've fished it now for, I could probably 37 times. I'll have notes. I've never seen an otter. Never. And, you know, I've, I've fished for 30 odd years and only saw my first otter really the other week in Norfolk. Do you have never seen oh, There's Honestly, a lot, there's a lot them. in Norfolk, a lot of them. And there always has been. Yep, yeah. Norfolk and, and Devon, and apart from Scotland, Norfolk and Devon were the two places where they were because people used to hunt them there. So it was just their interest to look after them. So, you know, Norf- Norfolk and, and, and Devon and Cornwall have always had um, reasonable populations. Well, there were only what, 119 released or 116, of which 49 were in Yorkshire. So, you know, and, and of course, they're being released every week. I've, I've not seen in all the times I've asked any evidence at all of an otter being released that shouldn't have been captive bred. Never heard of it. Unfortunately, it's a very decisive, uh, divisive. Sorry yeah. on on uh, on social media, and it's it's one of those things. You know, it's uh, there's always going to be there's always going to be a voice against. There's always going to be a voice for, and you know, to beat the angling trust about it, I think is wrong. We need to be united in this because I tell you now, there's a lot more people in Norfolk want to see an otter than there is see a fisherman. I'll tell you that now, 100%. Yeah. And you tell people that, and they look at me and say, are oh, you otter-supporting B-word? Well, oh, as well, what, yeah. What's going on there? I'm not an otter-supporting B-word. I, I, I'm just saying that a lot of people, there's a seal up there at the moment in Wroxham, and the fishermen are in oh. arms. They're going mad. You know, every day, every day for the last two weeks, there's been a story on my local neighbourhood app about a seal in Teddington Lock, which is 60 miles from the sea. I, if, I, if I turn my head away from the microphone, I can see the trees by Teddington Lock from here. And it, it had a lure in its mouth. And what it had done, obviously, is taken a Xander that was on this lure. Oh, yeah, I've seen the picture, and, yeah. And the lure, the lure was there. Anyway, that's gone now. They've repatriated that to the Isle of Sheppey. That one's gone. But now there's there's been three or four seals living in our river for some time and now that, that that one's that one's usual repose has been taken up by a gray seal so the harbour seal has gone common seal we've now got a gray seal which is the size of a bloody walrus and, and that's up there eating five pound perch to its heart's content but there's nothing you can do about it they're I'll tell you what you and need to do, fine. what I say to everybody. Uh, I was given the exact exact same phrase that this seal is at five five pound perch. I said, well, I'll tell you what you want to do then yeah. is learn off the seal where he's caught them because I've fished there for 20 years and I'm not caught a five. Uh, and how do you know it was five? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, so, go on. Well, we, you know, we, we, we've, in fact, this is, I think this is, might even be the longest one I've ever Oh, had. sorry, Keith. I can talk. No, you're absolutely fine. To, just, to, just two things for you to finish up. I mean, you've said the one, you, the, the first one, really, your hopes and wishes for the future. And, and that, I assume, is to get more people to enjoy the thing that we've enjoyed, in my case, for the best part of 70 years, and in your case, for the best part of 35 years. Yeah, fishing. It's. Uh, I, I wish yeah. I could. I, would, uh, I constantly rack my brains of a of a ready to go package, and the closest I've got to it is lure fishing because you don't need a box, you don't need a pole, you haven't got to worry about somebody steading, stepping on it, you haven't got to be arguing with a boat guy because you can just pack up your stuff and go. And simply put it on a bag. You're not dressed like you're in military fatigues and you're about to start a coup on an African country. You're just dressed as you are going down the pub and you just go fishing. And it, it's very accessible, Keith, and easy. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to whisper this. You also haven't got a bag for life in the fridge tied up with half a gun and a bronze maggots, a pint of reds and two pints of casters in it because that's what's in my fridge currently. Exactly. That's a danger. You, what you've got there is danger, Keith. All I've got is <laughs> dead-looking minnow things, soft plastic. They're not going to escape. Oh, mate, I've got boxes, 
and oats as well. I've got boxes and boxes. Trust me, you know what Liverpool is. I mean, you I've haven't got, got enough, I'm, Keith. That's what I'll oh, say. You haven't got yeah, enough. No, no you, <laughs> that and floats. You've never got enough. Uh, but finally, then, just so you, you can go and I, I can go and disappear and, and, and sort out the last. I'm about, supposed to be out filming tomorrow. Goodness knows what that's going to be like with the, the wind that's forecast. And, uh, Best of luck with that, Keith. The rain might have stopped here, but it doesn't matter if it hasn't stopped further up the road. Um, what, a top tip, someone that goes fishing now, that that maybe would like to get more out of it. What what would you say to them? Don't put YouTube on. <laughs> Finish. Like no, you, you, your expectations. Their expectations are too high. Um, if you match yeah. your gear, you know it's no good going with a thirty to fifty gram pike rod and catching uh, two ounce perch. You're not going to enjoy it. Start small, start small, yeah. and you know I want everybody this year if they get away to the to the coast to start LRFing, which was a yeah. split shot oh. or something else catching gobies, blennies, scorpion fish. You take the kids doing that. I did it in Bued Seapool, and the amount yeah. of interest they had no idea that these creatures lived in there, and it's wonderful. The, the crowds I've had around me on the Algarve doing exactly, it. you know, it, you know four piece lure rod I take and, and, and some little um, power isomian and little tiny jigs and everything. And you drop it down, you get one of these beautifully coloured fish and fish I'd never heard of. I have to send them to Dave Lewis, who sends them to his Dutch mate to identify for me. Red lit gobies and comas. Oh, and, that's awesome! Ooh, that is that, that is my favourite. It's, it's like it's like you putting your hand in a jack of box, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get. It's, it's, you've got no idea. You know, I took a friend shark fishing uh, a few months ago before the first lockdown just seems forever. And we, on the night before in Falmouth, we went round the docks catching, uh, Golsinis, Pout Whiting, yeah. uh, just amazing little fish. And then we went shark fishing, had the most fantastic day, which I, I don't want to bore you with, but we caught big sharks and driving back, you know, six hours drive back. He said, do you know what? I enjoyed the little LRF in more. <laughs> well, that's because he was actually fishing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, I've been marlin fishing. I've been lucky to go marlin fishing and, and I've caught a couple of marlin as well. Um, probably three, I think I've caught, but you're, all you're doing is winding them in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you've just, like then. You've just, you've just said the key phrase, Keith, you were fishing. Yeah. You were actually fish. That's yeah. what I say to people. Take a little yellow net. I've just started yeah. this Tanago fishing where you use a, it's a, for want of a better word, it's like the tip you throw away on your pole. <laughs> so it's like a, a foot long rod, very, very fine with 26 hooks and it's for fishing for bitterling and sticklebacks. And it's great. Yeah. It's, it's just fishing. You are actually fishing. As you said, that's the key fishing. Yeah. I'd like to, you know, if you, if I had to leave and say, uh, what would you want for the future? I'd want less fragmentation between anglers. Just say you go fishing. I don't care whether you yeah. go carp, you just go fishing to me. You know, everybody's yeah. just a fisherman and promote it that way. You're just a fisherman, whether you're a lure fisherman, there's lure fishermen fighting with carp fishermen, there's carp fishermen fighting with match fishermen, barbel anglers fighting with, I don't know. It's every, For years now, that's what I've seen over 30 odd years, it's anglers fighting instead of just saying, do you know what, we just all go fishing. Let's all, let's all market ourselves as, as custodians of the waterways. We see more than anybody else. And let's leave it at that. Let's all be let's all be anglers, fishermen. That's it, and women. Good stuff. Yeah, women. Let's get let's get up to three point six rather than thirty six percent. Let's get some some more ladies' attitude on the bank because um, there's some great. You and I both know some fantastic 
women anglers are very very good at it naturals that, that's another thing mike them. for another time you know the the, the attitude yeah, of anglers well. towards them is it goes oh. one way or the other it's either very very rude or very very supportive there's no middle ground uh, there's, there's a beautiful article by a woman on, on the Angling Trust members and supporters page that I congratulated her on yesterday. She, she's written a feature and it's beautifully written, beautifully written. Um, and, and basically, if you read it for, for what it says, it's why women don't go fishing. Yeah. Well, she does go fishing. She's a successful match angler. She, you know, she loves her fishing. But the, you read it and you think, well, that's why they don't go. Who was that by, Keith? Incredible. I looked that up. Can't remember. It's on the members and support. Do you know? I'm, I'm just all for if they, if they can come up with and the, the men can see them as just another angler, rather yeah. than you know, <laughs> some of the comments are just ridiculous. You know, it's, uh, it's it's awful. I know a lot of women that fish in Florida that I've spoke to been tarpon fishing and snook fishing with them in the past, and you see their pictures yeah. and then you look at their stuff on Instagram or the comments, and you think, oh god. <laughs> Emma Harrison. It's on the John. It's on the Angling Trust main page. Um, I got it from a members and supporters page shared by John Chain, and it's um, who likes his lure fishing as well. He's a good lure angler, uh, John. He's me and him a fell out. Very good. <laughs> I spent, yes. spent some time in him. Oh, I had a horrible trip with him. Oh, I had to go to Oman and and, and teach a, a woman who was seventh in Miss World and a former Miss Miss England or Miss UK or something. Took one for the team oh, there, Keith. Well done. Oh, as well. She caught. I won't tell you what she said when she hooked her twenty-pound Dorado, but it was. Um, you wouldn't have thought she was a lady saying it. Do you know what? Getting women into fishing. I took all the editors of all the top women's magazine fishing. Mm. They, this was Vogue, or uh, yeah. Woman's Weekly. There was, a, and I can't recall. Tatler. There was a few others, and I took them trout fishing. And you know what they loved more? Smashing the fish on the head, the trout, to cook oh. it. <laughs> Give him a praise. I loved it. Yeah. All day. <laughs> loved yeah. it. Yeah. All right, mate. Listen, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. We don't talk to each other enough. I know we do sometimes, and 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 now we talk to each other, and and, and we're, we're great friends when we talk, and that hasn't always been the case. And and um, but we, we both changed our opinions to what both to each other and to what each of us did. And, and it's, it's remarkable. I now, I now consider you a really good mate. And, um, Keith, yeah, it, it's when I came down to, to see your project and, uh, you know, I think we were both fully expecting a row and I went away there just full of admiration. And I say that with hand on heart, you know, that it's people don't see, they don't see this side. They don't see the hours you put in. They don't see the hours. I, because we don't, it, you know, if we, if we were to, be the new modern era angler we would put i'd put yes sir. oh yeah i'm just speaking to birmingham city council of me taking four people oh yeah look at me i'm great because three of them are from a bame society you know they're just self self selling and we don't do it so you don't get the recognition the recognition you deserve and i'm not after recognition i don't want that if you go fishing that's it that's enough for me but you, you don't get you know and i mean you fell out and it's good that we fell out because we've cleared the air and I saw what you did and I was full of admiration. I was full of admiration for it. And, uh, you know, long may it continue. And, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of our opinions and if we do or don't get on with people, uh, I've got the same end goal. I want people to go fishing because it's good for me and it's That's good right. for business as well. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly. not completely selfless. 
It's good for the country. It's good for everything. Yeah, get out, go fishing. It's free bird watching, free air, fresh air. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful pastime to bring your kids up in. And I can't think of a better Absolutely. one. And I'm, uh, I can say that because I've been on the other end of it. I've been the naughty boy and I've been the good boy. And to carry on being that good boy and staying out of trouble is down to fishing. Simple as that. Well, I hope you enjoyed that longer-than-usual strange boat cruise with Steve Collett. I certainly did, and thank you for listening. I'll have another top-flight angler on board soon, so please like, follow and subscribe and keep in touch. The strange boat will be casting off again in the very near future. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.